This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ, and uh, I'm excited to have you guys here. How y'all doing this morning? I think this is the first time that, like, second service never beat first service uh, ever, even though you guys are way smaller in numbers. You guys are usually way more excited about church than first service is, so, you know, you guys, you guys just dropped down a little bit this week. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's just been a rough week, huh? Some of you guys, have just been a rough week. Is that the deal? Uh, it's been a, been a really, really tough week. I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but we, we've kind of been in like an economic downturn in our nation for like a long time. Anybody else out there seen that? You know, we've been going through some really, really difficult times as a nation. And today we're starting a brand new series called Piggy Bank, where we're talking about, you know, where is our stuff in life? How is it going in our finances? You know, what's happening in that? And, uh, hey, uh, Man, can we can we shut the hazer off? Cause like I'm getting choked out down here. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, see, tech guys, man, they're awesome. Man, let's give it up for our tech guys. Don't they do a great job every week? They're uh, completely unseen. They control lights and sound and and smoke and all kinds of microphones and everything. They just do a great job and nobody ever even knows who they are. So tech people, man, you guys are awesome. Anyways, we've been in a, in a downturn. I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's been rough out there. I mean, we've been going through some depressing times. It seems like the housing market just continues to slide. It seems like the job unemployment rate just continues to go up and it's, it's messed up out there. And, and, and all joking aside, it, from everything that they say in the news and in the media, it doesn't seem like our economy, our financial situation as a nation, as a region of where we live is getting any better any day soon. And so this has been a very, very difficult time. And, and I don't know if you notice this reality or not, but there is nothing that you and I can really do to change the financial outlook of our, of our nation. There's nothing that you and I can do. There's no amount of worry that we have. There's no amount of, of fear that we can live with. There's nothing uh, that we can do to get the piggy bank of our nation back in order. I mean, we're just acquiring more and more debt than we're having in gross domestic product and, and income, and it's just been a tough, tough year. And uh, the only person that we can really control, the only financial outlook that we can really control in life is our own personal financial outlook, our own personal savings. And that's what this the next couple of weeks is all about, is how do we get our finances in order? How do we get everything in place to live financially healthy? And I think that this is an important topic. I know some people, they don't like talking about this. They don't think that this is a good thing. And in light of the economic circumstances that we find ourselves in, you know, we have a couple of options that we can take. You know, one of them is, is we can be like a sandhill crane. We can see everything that's happening and we can go and we can just stick our head in the sand and act like nothing's happening. We can just ignore the facts of what's going on in life and we can just stick our head in there and just act like nothing is happening and, and just hide in fear and we can, we can take that way. Another way that we can live is we can just totally neglect it. We can just live in fear. We can do nothing. We can just stand still and just lose hope, lose all uh, prospect for the future and see our lives just continue to, to go down or, you know what, we can take an honest appraisal of where we're at. We can get gut level honest in a couple areas and we can start asking ourselves, you know what, 
Where am I personally in my finances? What does my financial outlook in life look like? Am I doing well? Am I, am I head over heels in debt? You know, what does that look like for me? And then we also need to, to take a look and see what God says about this because this is the thing that most of us don't realize is that God has a lot to say about our finances. I know that that's, you think that he's just interested in spiritual things and, and those kind of things, but the Bible has a ton of financial principles that if we would apply to our lives, we would see some massive change happen in our own personal finances. And so I know that some of y'all are here today and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I've been, I haven't wanted to come to church in a long time. And can you believe the, the time that I do to come to church? This dude's talking about money. I mean, this is the reason I don't come to church because all they want is my money. And, and that's not the case at all, man. I, I don't want your money from you. We don't need your money. I want something for you. I want you to realize that there is some freedoms in life that you're not experiencing right now because you're, you're living based on some laws that, that are, are playing out to be true in your life and you might not even recognize it. And you might not even like the laws and the principles of God's word once you hear them, but it doesn't matter whether you like them or not because I can say I don't like gravity and I can go up to a four-story building and I can step off. You know what? Whether I like gravity or not, gravity is gonna be in effect. You know where I'm gonna go when I step out of, off that four-story building? I'm gonna go straight down because there's gravity, right? Whether I like that law, whether I like that principle or not, that principle is in effect in our lives. And so, you know, today, man, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about finances and what does God have to say about those? And, and here's the thing, I believe that the approach that we have and the approach uh, of our finances doesn't have to be an extremely heavy thing. It's not a burdensome thing. It's not gonna be something that's gonna weigh you down, but I think it can be a very freeing thing. I think it can be something that when you start applying those principles and you start living those things out, it brings freedom in your life to experience all that God has for you. And so at Coastal, we believe the Bible's approach to our finances is extremely life-giving. In fact, Jesus talked a ton about finances. In fact, 16 of his 38 sermons or 16 of his 38 parables talked about our finances and our stuff. That means 42% of the time when Jesus was talking, actually 42.1% of the time, if you're really anal like I am, um, he was talking about our stuff. He was talking about the things that dearly grip our hearts and our lives. Um, in the Bible, there's over 500 verses on prayer. There's over 500 verses on faith, but there's over 2,000 verses that deal with our finances and our stuff. It means that God has a lot to say about how we spend our money. God has a lot to say about how we handle our piggy bank in life. And it's a huge, huge deal to God. In fact, I, I was reading the story about two guys that were in their high school reunion. They, they had grown up together. They, they had kind of lost track. They were at the 25-year reunion and uh, they were excited to see each other. And one of the guys happened to be extremely successful. And the other guy just, he was just kind of down on his luck. You know, it had been a rough past couple of years. And so as the night was going on, the one guy that was extremely successful, man, he was living it up. He was kind of the life of the party because everybody wanted to know what's up with this guy. How did he become so successful? I mean, this dude was rolling in in the Bentley with 24s on it, had the Rolex with a diamond bazel. I mean, he was just a baller. And, and everybody's like, man, what did this guy do? And so his best friend in high school, they were hanging out and throughout the night, he finally got up the courage to ask him, man, how did you, how did you end up so successful? I mean, what's the deal? How did that work out in your life? I mean, my life just hasn't quite worked out like that. And he's like, man, 
I owe everything to the Bible. And the guy's like, the Bible? What are you talking about? What does the Bible have to say about money? He's like, I don't know. But, the, but here's the thing. One day I was, I was not doing very well. And so I decided I went and I grabbed my Bible and, and I opened it up and I said, God, man, I need your help. And I just closed my eyes and I point, put my finger down and I looked down and the, the, the word that my finger was on was oil. And so I took all the money that I had and I went and invested it in oil. And over the next couple of months, man, oil just exploded. I mean, it went, it like doubled in price. And so I sold all that off and I had all this money. And I'm like, man, that works. So I'll go back and do it again. So I, I closed my eyes and I just flipped through my Bible and I stuck my finger in it. And I looked down and it said gold. And so I took all that money I made and I went and I invested in gold. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but gold has just gone through the roof. And, and so it was awesome. I just made all this money. And I'm like, this is baller. And so I sold that and, and I had all this money. And so, I, man, I'll just do it a third time. So I closed my eyes and, and I put my finger down and, and looked and it, was, and it said silver. And I was like, man, I went and invested in silver. And today I'm a multi-bajillionaire. And uh, man, I'm just doing so well. And the guy's like, no way, you're kidding me. He's like, no, man, that's, that's the honest truth. That's, that's how the Bible changed my life. And this guy was just like, man, there's just, just no way. And you know, he's back in his hometown. And, 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 and so he's staying at this hotel. So he, as soon as he gets back to his room, He's looking around for the Gideon Bible because you all know there's a Gideon Bible somewhere in that hotel room. He's looking and fumbling through the drawers and finally finds the Bible. And he, he picks it up and he goes, God, I need some help. God, I need you to do something. So he closes his eyes. He opens up his Bible and he puts his finger down. And when he looks down, it says chapter 11. Okay, that wasn't funny, y'all. I'm not going to use that again. Just cross that off. That didn't work. Yeah, I know. You, uh, maybe, maybe this service is a little bit slower than the other service. I don't know. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll be here all day, I promise. It's, it's that good. So, the reality is, is in, 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 in spite of all the economic heaviness that we have, you know, a lot of us, we don't, we don't really have a clue where to start. If we were to look at our finances, we were to look at where we are financially, we're like, man, well, I, don't, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what is the place I should go to to start getting my finances reordered and getting them in the right way. And, and that's why we're talking here this morning. That, I mean, that's why we're taking the next couple of weeks to discuss this, because we want to help you have a right starting point. We want you to, to recognize, as we're going to talk today about who's on first, what should be the first priority we have in our life, and how do we build upon that priority? How do we build on those, those principles? Because a lot of times, I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but like I like to go and, and buy something that I have to put together, and, and I just like to go start and putting it together. And when I get to the end, I have all these extra parts and nothing seems to fit together right. And I should have started with the directions, like the first things first. And, and guys, we have that problem. We just like to dive in and get it, just start working on it. Well, God says, man, there are some directions that we need to take in life. There's some things that we need to do that we need to get in order. And if we do these things in order, man, it will revolutionize our life. It will transform everything and we'll see everything get in order. And I think that there's a principle there that we gotta, we gotta grab hold of. And that is something that, that God is trying to get us to recognize that there is an order of things that we gotta get it in. And today we're gonna be talking about a, a, a word that, that most people that have come to church or have been to church before they hate, and it's this word called tithing. And it's, it's an important word, though. And, and I know that some people have a lot of pushback when they hear this word. They think, oh, man, they just want my money. They just want my stuff. And, and really, it's a biblical principle. It's, and, and because we've had bad experiences in church where people have manipulated us and have put burdens on us and put a heaviness on us, it causes us to have pushback. When it, but I think today, when we understand that, that tithing is really a life-giving principle given by God, and when we apply that principle, to our lives, it changes everything. We'll realize that tithing is really about putting God first in our lives. 
It's about putting God first in every area of our lives. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to understand that God wants to be first in our life. That is the thing that God is after above all else. God wants to be number one in our lives. You know, our relationship with God is not meant to be a casual thing. It's not meant to be something that just kind of happens here and there. It's, it's God isn't looking for us to say, oh man, I, I go to church sometimes or I go to church more than I used to. I mean, those are positive things, but God is really after this idea that he wants to be first in your life. He's not satisfied being second or 22nd or 102nd. God wants to be first in every single one of our lives. And he's continuously pursuing to take the number one place in our lives. And we try to fill that place with so many different things. And we wonder why they never satisfy because those things can never give us what only God can give us. And God wants to be in the first place in our life. That's why when he went in the very beginning and when the 10 commandments were coming in, when he was establishing these rules for relationship with people that had been enslaved and saying, hey, I'm taking you out of slavery slavery, and you've never lived in, in relationship with people. You were just told what to do. I wanna help you build some parameters that'll help you have good relationships. And the number one thing that I'm trying to establish with you is, is that, man, I want to be the most important thing in your life. And he says this in Exodus 20, verse three, you shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, man, there's, there's a point here that I don't want anything else to go in the place that I have set aside in your life for me. In Deuteronomy 6, 14 and 15, he says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. He's saying, don't have other loves in life. There's so many things that come in and try to steal the affection of your life and my life all the time. There are things that are coming in that are trying to steal that number one spot in our heart. And he says, listen, don't have anything else in that love spot that I've set aside for myself. I'm supposed to be in that spot. That's why he says, God is a jealous God. What he's saying is there is a desire there. That word jealous means it's a desire for exclusivity in a relationship. God wants to be in an exclusive relationship with you. It's like this. If I said that you are my best friend, and but yet every time something happened in my life, good, I went and told somebody else, or, or every time I was having trouble in life, I went to somebody else, would we really be best friends? Because you go to your best friend first, and you talk to them, and you do that because they're your best friend. And if, if that wasn't the case, you'd be like, you would be questioning that friendship level. The same thing is true with God. Think about it like this. There are six billion people on this planet. How many of y'all know that's a lot of people? Six billion is a lot of people. And, the, and they say that three, over three billion of them are women. That's a lot of women. That's a lot of, that's a lot of emotion right there. Um, and, so, and so I'm married. I've been married to my wife. Uh, this month will actually be 12 years, which is amazing. And so I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. And, and, and there's three billion women on this planet. And I, and I went to Shayla and I said, hey, babe, I love you so much. You are awesome. Listen, you're number two out of three billion. That's awesome. I, I, that's good. Aren't you, aren't you happy you're number two? What do you think? She's going to be like, uh-uh, sucker, you're going down. I mean, there ain't, that ain't happening in life. She doesn't want to be number two. She wants to be number one. Why? Because we're in an exclusive relationship. She is my wife and I am her husband. And we're to be exclusive with one another. There should be no other woman that's ever before her in my life. And that's the whole thing. God wants us to be in this exclusive relationship. In fact, there was a couple, they were laying in bed one evening and, and they were just talking and they were having some, some pillow talk time and the wife turned to her husband and, and it was kind of a weird conversation. She said, you know what, if I died, um, you know what, and I know this is kind of weird, but if I were to die, do you, 
do you think that you would ever get remarried? And the husband was like, oh, man, this is weird. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable talking with you about this, but I mean, because I don't want you to die. But, you know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a needy guy, and I like people to do things for me, and, and you do a lot for me. And because I'm so needy, I would, I would have to say I would probably remarry, you know. And she's like, oh, okay. I mean, I understand, you know, you are pretty needy, so I could, I could totally get that. And, and she goes, well, well, if I died and, and you did remarry, you know, what would would you live in this house? I mean, would you live, this is our house. I mean, we built this house and we paid for this house. And he's like, well, in, in light of the economic downfall that we're in and the fact that this house is paid for, I mean, it would just make so much more sense. I mean, I, I you know, thinking about it, you know, I, I wouldn't really want to, but because of the financial situation, yeah, I think that if, if I were to remarry, you know, and if you were to die or whatever, um, we, we would probably live in this house. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, well, well, if you live in this house, would you sleep in our bed? I mean, that's, this is our bed. I mean, we pay for this bed. It's a nice bed. I mean, but, but would she sleep in my bed in my spot? And he's like, well, you know, this is a nice bed. I mean, it's one of those memory foam things. And, you know, those things are expensive. And we even got the sleep numbers and they adjust and everything. I mean, we're like, it's, I mean, this is a cool bed. But, and because, have you, have you priced out beds lately? I mean, they're like a couple grand. And so, so like, Honestly, I, she, she would probably sleep in your bed. And she's like, oh man, really? Well, well tell, me, uh, tell me this, tell me this, tell me this. Would she use my golf clubs? He's like, no, 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 she would never use your golf clubs. And she's like, well, well why wouldn't she use my golf clubs? Because she's left-handed, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, shh. Yeah, man, that was awesome. That was awesome. You know, I, I mean, that's funny, and it's, it's kind of messed up at the same time. But so many of us, we have that same relationship with God. We're like, oh, man, God, I, I believe you. You know, I want other people to believe in you. And, and, and I believe in you some of the time, but I got a girlfriend that's left-handed. I got some other things that are taking your place in life. And if, if we were in that relationship, we'd be like, hold up, what's up with that? I mean, that we'd just be like, that's messed up. We need to change some things around here. And God is saying, man, we need to change some things up. I want to be number one in your life. I want to be in first place in your lives. Because here's, here's the thing about being first, if you're taking notes, number two is the, the, the first has the power to bless the rest. And this isn't just a money principle, but it's a life principle. See, the children of Israel, they were, getting, they were coming out of slavery. They were coming out of uh, uh, living in Egypt where they were enslaved, and they, were, they had all these things around them, and, and they're coming out, and God is trying to establish his relationship with them. He's trying to get them to understand the things that have taken place in their life. And in Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me the firstborn male and the first offspring of every womb amongst the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. He says, consecrate to me the firstborn. What that word consecrate means, it means to set apart, to dedicate. What God is saying is, listen, the first things that are, that are coming in your life, the first good things that are coming in your life, I want you to set apart those things for me. I want you to, to take those things out and not keep them for yourselves, but I want you to set that apart for me. Going on verse down, down to verse 12, it says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with every lamb the firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. 
And, and maybe you guys don't remember what's happening in this story. Basically, you know, if you remember, they just played it over Easter, the Charlton Heston movie of Moses. You know, they're, they're playing it and, and, and Charlton Heston's there and he's, he's going before God to, to hear from God and there's a thunder and there's a lightning. And he's trying to establish some principles here. God is trying to establish some principles with his people so they will truly understand what is happening. And the first thing he says to them is he says, put me first. And when you put me first, it has the power to bless the rest of your life. There's two categories that he's really talking about here in this scripture. And he breaks it down in these two categories. He says, there's a clean side and there's an unclean side. And he's saying the lambs in life, they're the clean things. They're the things that are not defiled in life. And he says, man, those are the things that you need to bring to me, the, the clean thing you need to bring to me. Then he says, there's an unclean thing and the donkey is unclean. That unclean thing needs to be redeemed so it can be, it can be claimed as clean. And that, that word redeemed there means, it means parda or where we get our English word to mean pardon. It means basically, man, we need the sacrifice of the clean thing. We sacrifice the lamb so that it will pardon the unclean thing in life. And there's some unclean things in our lives. And what we don't realize is that God is trying to pardon those areas of our lives so that they can be blessed. And if we were to look at that from the aspect of, of Jesus, who they called the Lamb of God, there's a reason they called him the Lamb of God because it was a, it was a, uh, this was a foretelling of what Jesus would be. And so what they're saying is, is Jesus is the Lamb of God. What was, was Jesus perfect? Was he clean or unclean? He was clean, right? I mean, he lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life. And he says, man, the clean thing has got to be sacrificed to redeem the unclean thing. What was the unclean thing? It was us. We were full of sin. We were full of shame. We were full of disobedience. And when Christ died upon the cross, he redeemed us. He pardoned us from the guilt and the shame and the sin and all those things so that we can live a life of freedom. And so basically what God said is, I will give my first so that you guys can be blessed into having a relationship with me. And so when we give, it's a principle, when we give our first, it en enables us to bless the rest. And when we give God the first, it gives us the power to bless the rest. We're in a team with God. We're working in unison with him. And when we say, God, I'm gonna put you first, all of a sudden he blesses us. That's why God can do more with our 90% when we give him the first 10% than we can with 100% because when we say we're gonna set this apart and we're gonna give it to you first, he has the power to redeem the rest of it to do more with that 90 than we could ever do with the 100. It's an amazing thing. And the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. It's not to put him second or third or 15th. He wants to be first. And it's not just a money thing. It's an all of our life thing. And we do this at Coastal. It's one of the reasons in the beginning of the year that we encourage everybody to, to pray and fast in the beginning of the year. We want to set apart the first part of our year to take some time to pray, to fast and to seek God so that he will bless the rest of our year. We're saying, we're gonna give you the first part so you'll bless the rest. It's one of the reasons why we give you the word for you today, devotional, so you can take that every single day. And when you wake up, you can seek God, you can pray, you can read some scriptures, you can do those things. So you can set some time apart with God in the beginning of the day so that he will bless the rest of your day. It's why we come here on Sunday. What is Sunday? Sunday is the first day of the week. And we say, God, man, we're gonna give you the first part of the first day of our week so that you'll bless the rest of our week. It's a principle that God has. When we put him first, 
He blesses the rest. You know, it's why we encourage you to get here on time and come in and worship because the first part is when we come in here and we worship God, that first song sets the tone of how we're gonna respond to God and it has the power to bless the rest. And it's a principle thing. It's not legalistic. It's not, this isn't about guilt. It's about recognizing that God wants to be first in every aspect of our life. It's not just a financial thing. He wants to be first in our personal life. He wants to be first in our business life. He wants to be first in our marriage. He wants to be first in every single area of our life. And you can look all throughout scripture and it, you know, some people always have to push back. Well, that's a Old Testament principle or, or that's a, all about the law. Well, it, God was establishing this way before there was even law. I mean, you can look back at Adam and Eve in the very beginning. He says, here, listen, here's the whole entire garden. It's all of yours except for one thing that I want to keep for myself. There's one thing that you're, you're to make sure that is mine and it's one tree. And he says, don't eat from that. But when they did, what happened? It changed everything. The blessing of their life was taken away and it says that they were cursed because they took of that. And if you look, at, you look at their kids' lives, they established it even before the law, Cain and Abel, which were the children of Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 4, 2 through 5, it says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Basically, it means that, that Abel was a rancher and Cain was a gardener. I mean, those, those were their professions or farmer, whatever you want to call them. In verse 3, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. See, there, there's something in there that most people don't recognize is that Cain brought his offering to God and it wasn't favorably because he brought his offering when he got around to it. It wasn't a priority in his life. He was saying, you know what? When all the other bills are paid, when everything is good and, and, I, and I have more than enough, then I'll, I'll, I'll give God some. I'm not gonna trust him because I'm a trust in my own self. But Abel, on the other hand, gave God the first part. It says of the firstborn portions of his firstborn, he gave the Lord. He said, before anything else happens, before I ever have any more animals, before I have any more livestock, which is determining my future, I'm going to trust God with that. I'm going to put you first. And again, it's not uh, uh, about legalism, but it's about relationship. Because here's the thing, a lot of us, we're giving to God 10%, but we're not giving to him first. We're putting other things in priority. We're putting him in, in second or third or fifth or seventh or 27th place in our life after we've taken care of all those other things. And God wants to be first in our lives. That's why he says the, the first has the power to bless the rest. And we don't wanna give the mortgage company our first or we don't wanna give Chase Bank our first or we don't wanna give the, the Starbucks our first, which they have a tendency to wanna take our first because you know we all love coffee today. But it's not about legalism, but it's about relationship. It's saying, man, God, I wanna put you in priority in my life. I want to put you in the first place and I don't want to give that to somebody else. And what we have to recognize is that really this is a faith principle for our lives. It is a faith principle for our lives. We have to give him the first, not knowing if the rest is going to work out. And so many times we think, man, well, that, that just doesn't seem logical to me. I, you know, I want to make sure that everything else is good and then I'll trust God. Then I'll give to God. But God is saying, man, listen, this is a faith principle that you got to understand. That's why Abel's offering was, was pleasing to God because he recognized that, man, whether I ever have any more sheep or whether I ever have any more lambs, man, I'm going to trust God and believe that he's going to supply every need that I have. Where Cain was like, man, I don't trust God. I trust in what I can do. And what that meant is that God was no longer first in my life, but something else is. I, myself, I'm first in my life. And God has been putting this principle out there. You can look in 
as, as the children of Israel were coming out of, out of the, the, the desert, going into their promised land. And, and um, in Joshua chapter um, 2, there were 10 cities that they had to overcome to, to eventually have the promise that God had promised to them. And it said the first city that they were going to overtake was Jericho. And God said, listen, 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 this city is full of spoil. It's the greatest city in all of the promised land. What I want you to do is I want you to go in and I want you to take the city, but I want you to destroy everything. Don't keep anything for yourself because this city is mine. I want this to be an offering to me. And if you guys do that, then I'll take care of the rest. And so what did the children of Israel do? They went and they did defeated this city. And our natural tendency would have been, I, mean, I need to get all I can right now. But they understood that if they trusted God and put him first, he would take care of the rest. He would bless the rest. And they trusted him and they burned that city and everything in it. And God was able to take them and they were able to go and over, overtake all the other cities in the land. And they got to see God work that out while they were trusting him, working in that faith principle. And at Coastal, Man, we've been living by this principle from the very beginning. Before we, we ever knew anybody here, when we first moved here, man, we knew nobody. We had had a little bit of money come in from people that were supporting us from the outset. And we said, man, we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna start giving. We're gonna start giving to missions. We're gonna start giving to, to uh, local outreach here, man. We're gonna start trusting God that even though we don't have any people and we can't see anything, that God is gonna do something supernatural because we put him first and we started giving. And, and I just wanna tell you today, man, we've given over $60,000 in a little over two years to missions and church planning and in local outreach. And, and this year, man, we're gonna, we're gonna do even more. I mean, this year, we're gonna give 12 to 13% of our income. We're gonna give somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000 away to church planning and local outreach and world missions because we put God first. We're trusting him that if we put him first, he'll bless the rest. It's one of the reasons why we don't get up here and ever have a need financially. You know, I know people are sitting here thinking, oh, they just want my money today. Listen, our rent is paid for the next three months. We're not in need of anything. We're good. We're solid financially. We're trying to teach you the same principles that we live by as a church for you to live in your own life so you don't have to be struggling from paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to be wondering, how am I gonna make this month work because there's more month than there is money. But when we start to apply the principles that God has of putting him first and, and recognizing that the first has the power to bless the rest and saying, man, God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna live by faith it changes our lives. That's why in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. It says, honor him. It's something that we have to do. It says, with the first fruits of all of your crops. It means the very first of what you have before you have anything else, honor him. It says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I'm not talking about a prosperity principle here, but it's saying, man, when you trust God, it makes things happen. It, earlier in that chapter, it says in verses three, four, and five, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because in our own minds, if we were to look at this principle, or if you were an accountant or a financial planner, you would say, that does not make any sense at all. What you wanna do is you wanna go pay all your bills and you wanna put savings away. And then if you have anything left, then you, then you could give to God. And that's the principles of this world. And that's why we're jacked up. That's why we're messed up. That's why the average person uh, has a net worth or they spend 102% of their income. I don't know how that works, but somehow we managed to do that in America. The average person spends 102% of your income. That's because we're living by the world's principles, but God's principles are completely different. It says, put me first and watch and see what will happen in your life. It's the opposite of what we think. It's so many things of what God says are the opposite of what we think. We think, man, I'm gonna hate my neighbor. They're messing with me. And God says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, 
that just goes against everything. And so many of God's principles are like that. And I know that you're thinking, man, TJ, you're the pastor. You're supposed to say that. Listen, it's not just something I live by or not just something the church lives by, but there's been people all over the place that have lived this way. John D. Rockefeller, which they say has been the wealthiest person that has ever lived on the face of this earth. He owned Standard Oil Company. And, you know, I mean, he invested in oil. That dude was smart. And, um, and so they said in 1905, he was worth something like his total net worth in today's standards, or actually in those days standards, was worth $1.5 billion. He was, he was actually 3% of the gross domestic product of America at that time. When you're one person and you're 3% of the gross domestic product of your country, you're doing pretty dang well. And so he's doing extremely well in, in life. And, and that year, he gives over $100 million to, to his local church and, and to local missions. And they said, man, how do you do that? I mean, how can you trust that? And he said, because when I had nothing, I learned in my church that if I put God first and I tithe, he always takes care of everything else. And today I am where I am today because I've always trusted him and I've always put him first. And it's something that we need to recognize that we need to do in our lives. There's a guy at our church uh, a little over a year and a half ago. He, he started coming to church and his finances were a mess. And he, he, he heard a message like this talking about putting God first. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do that. And I, he started putting God first and we started doing financial counseling with him. And, and he started working away at his debt and putting God first. He, he automated the important. He said um, every single week on on our, our giving side that he was just going to give. He said, I, you know, if I don't do this, I'll never give to God. So I'm just going to automate it. I'm going to make sure that God is first in my life. And he started giving. And uh, this past, about six months ago, his, his wife lost their, her job and, and, and they started to freak out. And they're like, I don't know how we're going to make it. And they said, but we're going to continue to trust God. And, and throughout that time, he, he came up to me a couple weeks ago and he said, you know what? My wife lost her job. We lost, uh, you know, 30% of our income we still gave to God and somehow we had more money at the end of the month than when we did when she had a job. And I don't understand how that works other than the fact that when we trust God, he has the power to bless the rest. There's another guy in our church that uh, a couple of years ago, he, he, was, he was here and he, he was telling me right after the first service, he's like, hey, I want you to get this right because I was in a service here and God was doing something and God spoke to me. He said, man, you need to trust me with this. And he said, I started tithing and, and, and he told me, in his life, he had never made more than $20,000. And I don't know how you live in South Florida and under $20,000, but he's like, man, I was, I was living on under $20,000 a year. And, and I started trusting God and I started giving generously and I started seeing God do things. In this past year, he saw God not only give him a new job, he hated the job that he was in, but that job pays him like 65% more than he's ever been paid. And he has all these benefits and, and he's doing the very thing that he went to school to get a degree for that he loves. And God is just blessing him. And he says, man, I owe it all to trusting God and putting him first in my life. And when I started putting him first and started saying, God, I'm gonna trust you no matter what. I started living by faith. God started being faithful to what he had said. And I wanna tell you today, man, we need to be faithful to what God says. That's why he says in Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this. This is the only place in the Bible that he says this. He says, test me in this. You can go ahead and call me out on this is what he's saying. It says the Lord Almighty. And see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough. There will not be enough room to store it. He says, then I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines uh, in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. 
And here's the thing. This is my question for all of us. In light of the economic circumstances that we're in, in light of the downturned economy, is it possible that God wants to prove to people that his principles work during the time when it's the worst off? Is it, is it possible that God is trying to say, you know what, what if the people that say they believe in me were the ones that said, you know what, I'm gonna trust God no matter what, and God is gonna be faithful to those people because they're trusting him and putting him first and seeing their lives blessed, even though everybody else is going through the worst struggles they've ever encountered in their life. And, and, and let me just say this for a second. Don't let this pass you by. Let God stretch your faith. Let him expand the boundaries of your mindset and your possibilities of what you limit God on because God is limitless. And he's trying to expand our faith here today. And he's trying to say, man, I want to do something more in your life than you can see or you can imagine right now. Will you trust me? Because the reality is, is that all God is trying to get us to is, is realizing that all of this stuff about our, our finances, it's a matter of our heart. Jesus said it better than anybody. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever your stuff is, that's where your heart is. And so God is trying to say to you today, where's your stuff? Where is it? Where, where's your stuff? Because that's where I know your heart is. And if your stuff is with me, then I know your heart's there. But if, if your stuff is way over there, that's where your heart is as well. And he's not doing it out of a legalistic or obligation kind of way. He's doing it because he wants a relationship. He realizes that he wants a relationship with you and he wants to be in first place in your life. And that's what he was trying to, to get the children of Israel to understand in Exodus 13 verses 14 through 16, it says, in those days to come, when your children ask you, what does this mean? Say to them, with the mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. That is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And let it be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. What he was saying is, is he said, listen, it doesn't take very long for us to forget what God has done. It won't be, he's, he's saying to the people that had just come out of slavery, come out of bondage, had seen the miraculous done in their lives because they trusted God. They'd seen God deliver them. He's saying, listen, you're going to forget very soon. And not only are you going to forget, but the next generation is not going to have a clue. And the generation after that is going to be even worse off. They're going to forget the faithfulness of God. And they're going to forget that when, when the angel came to, to, to determine who was going to be free and who was going to die, when we covered our doors with the blood of the lamb, man, the angel passed by. And when we left there, man, we left with every single spoil of Egypt, man. We left with barrels of gold and, and all the cattle and all the livestock that we could take. And someday your sons are going to be recognized that you are farmers, that you're ranchers, and, and you're going through life, and, and, and your sons are going to be like, Dad, I, I've recognized that we're in the ranching business, and, um, you know, I don't know if you've recognized this, but how we make money is by growing animals and selling them or breeding them and you know, selling portions of them. And you have this tendency to take the first and the best ones and kill them and then give them to God. That, that is not making us profitable. You know, and, the, and, the, and your kids are gonna question that. And he said, you're gonna have the opportunity to remember why this happened. 
The reason we do this isn't out of obligation to God. It's not we do this because, man, God told us we have to do this. We do this because it's a response. It's a thankful response to what God has done. Man, we want to sacrifice because God led us out of Egypt. We were once slaves. You, you know your grandfather, when you see him out in the fields toiling out there and, and working in the fields, and he's got a shirt off, and you see all those lashes on his back, and you see all those scars and all that stuff. You know what that's from? That's from when he was enslaved. And you would have lived, you would have had that same thing happen in your life, but because of God. But because of God, we're not that way anymore. We're not slaves anymore. We're not in bondage to some other people, but we get to live free because of what God done. And it's, we don't have to give God sacrifices. We get to give God sacrifices. And it's a response for all that he has done in our lives. And when we recognize that we don't, tithe to God because it's an obligation. We don't give to God financially. We don't give to God service-wise out of obligation, but we do it as a response because of what God has done. Man, God has set me free. Man, I used to be an alcoholic. I mean, I used to be uh, addicted to all kinds of things, and God freed me of those things. And man, my natural response is, God, I want to serve you. I want to worship you, not because I have to, but because I get to. And so I have two questions for you today. First question is, is, is God number one in your heart and in your life? Is he number one? Because at the end of the day, what God cares about is his relationship with you. And today, God wants to be in first place in your life. He doesn't want to be in some other place. He doesn't want to be in a, a different numerical order. He wants to be in first place because he's all about relationship. And here is the awesome thing about God. Maybe your heart is far from God, but this is what he says. This is his promise in Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You will be my people and I will be your God. Some of you here today, you need to give him your heart. You need to give him your heart. Listen, this isn't a message about money. This isn't a message about a certain percentage of your income. This is a message about your heart. And do you trust God to be number one in your life? Because everything else rises and falls on the answer to that question. Where is God in the numerical order of your life? Is he fifth? Is he seventh? Today, he wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new spirit. But it starts with us recognizing where we are in that and asking ourselves, where are we? And saying, God, I want to move you to that right place. I want to move you to that number one spot where you need to be. To fill that God-sized hole that only you can fill that I've been trying to fill with so many other things. And I even know that they don't work because they haven't brought satisfaction. Second question for you is, is where is God in your finances? I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, the majority would say, you know what? God's not anywhere near number one of my finances. And remember, our, our treasure is a reflection of our heart. 
And God's saying, man, I want all areas of your life. I don't want just your family or your kids or your career. I want everything. And what I've recognized in life is, man, life gets busy. And it's so easy to miss out on putting God first in those areas. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of putting out a challenge here today. It's something that all of us as staff do and a lot of our key leaders here at church do is, is you know, the important things in life, we automate them. You know, I, I make sure that my gym membership is paid every month because it's automated. I make sure our, our mortgage payment is paid because it's automated. We make sure of those things because we automate the important things in our lives. We set it up so that it's reoccurring, so that we don't ever have to wonder, am I doing that? Am I, am I trusting God first, or am I putting a lot of other things? And we're not legalistic, man. Sometimes a mortgage payment gets paid first. Sometimes a grocery, groceries get bossed first, bought first. But the majority of the time, God gets put first, and he understands the intent of our heart. And so inside of every one of your all's worship guys today, we put in a card like this that says, automate the important. And I want to challenge you to, to automate the important thing in your life. And on the back, there's some areas where you can fill out and you can say, man, I want to hear more about uh, digital giving. It's, it's the way that we give because we've recognized and it's, and it's our fault as a church. Nobody carries cash or a check anymore. So it's really hard to put God first in your life and your finances. I, I don't even know where our checkbook is. I, I, I haven't, the checks have been missing in action for a long time, but I go everywhere with my credit card and that's not an option. And so we want to give you the opportunity to automate God and make him important in your life. Listen, there's so many things that will take his place if we don't put him in his place. And this is an opportunity for you to do that. And so if you would fill that out and, and please print. Uh, we don't read hieroglyphics. I mean, I, I know that some of y'all, some of y'all, uh, you know, your handwriting is really beautiful, but I, I, I I'm, sound like I'm from the South. I'm not the brightest dude in the world. So um, if you do that, man, we'll send you a link and we'll show you how you can automate the important in your life. And you can put God first in an area that he says, you know what, this is where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. And so today, man, where are you at with God? Where are you at with God? Let's pray. God, we just come before you. And we thank you so much that you are a great, great God. Lord, and more than anything, in our lives, you want to be in first place in our hearts and our lives. And I know that today there's so many things that are in competition for that number one spot in our hearts. There's, there's our careers and there's our, our stuff and there's our kids and there's so many things that are competing for that spot. And it's so easy to replace you with something else. It could be a relationship. It could be a career choice. It could be our education. It could be a spouse. And, and those aren't bad things in and of themselves, but they're not the right thing. They're not the thing that you have created us to, to walk in. And today, maybe you're out there today with every head bowed and every eye closed and you realize, man, that God is nowhere near the number one spot. Maybe he's number two. Maybe he's number seven. Maybe he's number 77 in your life. And today you say, you know what? I, I wanna start redeeming some areas of my life and I wanna put him first. And I wanna put him first. And if that's you out there today, man, if you just slip your hand up real quick, I'll just wanna pray for you. You wanna put God first. You wanna get him in the right spot. Yes, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. I know it's, it's difficult. You know, like, I don't want to identify myself. But listen, it's okay. 
It's all family here. No friends, just family. That's what we do, man. We, we pray for one another. We believe with one another. We stand with one another. We encourage one another. And I believe that God today wants to do something supernatural in your life. God, we just come before you. And I pray for each of these people here. They raised their hand and said, man, God, there's been some things that have been misplaced in my life. There's been some things that I've replaced you in. And today, I put you first in my life. God, I repent and I turn 180 degrees from, from living in that way, God, of, of putting something else in your place. And I ask you to forgive me. And today I ask that you come in and you restore that relationship. God, that you give me a new heart, that you put inside of me a new spirit, your Holy Spirit that would come and live and be active inside of my life. God, and I, I would commit to making you number one in every aspect of my life, in my family life, in my career, in my finances, in my, in my parenting, in every single area of my life, God, I put you first. My attitudes. God, thank you so much for being such a great and awesome and gracious God. And Lord, we love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.